Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Hub podcast. This episode, I have Travis O'Shea from Wapiti River Outdoors. So another Canadian to, to add to the mix for some of these recent episodes I've had, and this one was great. Have some elk calling scenarios, uh, gives his style, and I know Travis is known for his chuckling and using chuckling, so a unique approach to calling elk uh, that he has found to be successful. Definitely a another also kind of patient method. So this is a worth definitely worth the listen as a lot of us are traveling to go to elk camp, get ready for elk season, and I wish the best of luck to all of you. Again, thanks for listening to this podcast and the support that you guys have shown. Um, there will be a couple of new coupon codes, uh, one for Ridge Patrol coming up here pretty soon, one for Wilderness Athlete coming up pretty soon. And just always a big thanks to Onyx for supporting the podcast and making sure I got a membership. And yeah, so thanks again for everyone listening and enjoy this episode with Travis. All right, Travis, thanks for for jumping on the Western Hunting Hub podcast and uh, talking elk hunting, elk calling with me, and just did a little research on you and saw, saw a few things. See, Wapiti River Outdoors is your company organization uh if you wouldn't mind just tell us a little bit about yourself maybe about the company your organization uh what you do yeah for sure yeah thanks for having me on clint uh yeah basically i live up in grand prairie alberta and uh been chasing elk for uh basically my whole life ever since i was a little kid just uh got into the calling thing uh, my dad was an elk caller so i kind of went on my own once i got old enough um, my dad got me an elk reed. I remember back in the day, it was a long time ago, but it was a Wayne Carlton elk reed. And I just started playing with that. Me and my cousin actually started to learn how to do the sounds together. And man, that was 25, 30 years ago now. And <clears throat> here, lo and behold, now I run my own game call company called Wapiti River Outdoors. And literally, I still build every single reed myself. And my wife does all the packaging. And I do have one uh, pro staff, Dylan. He helps me build some of the some of the easier reads. Mm -hmm. And other than that, just the the three of us kind of building and and putting them out. We sell them on our online site, and we also supply a bunch of stores as well. Excellent. So um, mouth reads. Uh, any any other products you got, or is that kind of the extent of it? Yeah, we yeah we do the mouth uh, the mouth reads. And we have uh, just one external call, just a bite and blow, mm -hmm. and then just the bugle tubes. That's kind of what we focus on. We do have a small lineup of turkey reeds, but we're not huge into turkey up here. So we sure. try to focus mostly on elk stuff, follow our passion is what we do here. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, tell us a little bit about maybe your, uh, the, you're the third Canadian I've had on the last like three months. <laughs> so we're, uh, really hit, oh, wow. hit, hitting up the knowledge up North. Um, yeah, we had Greg McHale on, uh, and then also was chatting with Marcus Simmons not long ago. Um, 
Oh yeah. So so a few few of you guys up there and and uh, bringing some knowledge to us dummies down here. So we need some. Yeah, actually, and mucks on my pro staff as well. So that's cool. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I yeah. just chatted with him. Yeah, the other day. I don't even know when. Uh, yeah. But yeah, great <clears throat> guy, great conversation. And uh, I don't know which yeah. one's going to come out first. I think this one might. We'll see because I need to make sure people have this in time for uh, September elk season as that's kicking off here very soon or as by the time this launches, maybe even uh, we're a couple days into it. So, uh, But, yeah, yeah. what uh, what's your plans for the fall as far as uh, hunting season goes? Well, I got, uh, I got one more day of catching up building store orders and calls for everybody. And then our season literally kicks off on Thursday here, August 25th Wow, is opening morning. So yeah, it's coming fast. Well, <laughs> so I, I, I extra appreciate the, the time right now. If you're filling <laughs> orders, doing that and you got season rolling in <laughs> yeah. literally a day or two. Thank you for that. Yeah. And you know how, how it was this morning. We tried to hook up this morning and I, I slipped away real quick for an hour of shooting my bow and then, that turned into all oh, crap. I forgot all about my phone and everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the way it's supposed to go though. We, we shoot our bows and we're supposed to stop or just shut off for a little bit. And that's, that's why we do it. Yeah, That's exactly what happens. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess my brain kind of needed the, the rest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I interrupted some more. What, uh, what's the fall looking like? Uh, it's looking pretty good. Going to be busy for the first uh, first couple weeks of September. I'll be hunting around home here with buddies and stuff like that. Um, the first couple days for me is going to be solo hunting. Uh, just going to go hit a couple of the bigger bull bedrooms that I know of and try to sneak in and see if I can draw one of them out. And then basically I'm kind of lucky. So the mornings I'm going to hunt. And then I'm going to jet back home because I'm literally only an hour from my hunting spot where I live. And so I'll jet back home and keep filling store orders and do as much as I can. And then I have a couple buddies that are on a sheep hunt right now. They're going to be about five or six days. And then they'll be coming up to do an elk hunt with me as well. So there'll be three three or four of us roaming around together trying to film everything this year for, you know, trying to get the real close call-ins and <clears throat> how we do it. We like to use scenarios like breeding sequences and um, tending sequences, stuff like that, just to make it a little more fun. And the, the elk that we actually hunt up here are fairly pressured. They see a lot of people calling to them. Mm-hmm. But most guys are just calling, bugling, and walking along, and they they don't really have the patience to sit down and wait for a while and actually call something in so those guys they just call and they move they call and they move whereas us you know we'll be in one spot for i try to stay in one spot for an hour hour and a half just doing a calling scenario and and see a lot of times those bulls just sneak in sometimes they come screaming in so you just Uh, never know man i can Um, so that's gonna i i could no i was just gonna say i literally could have a different elk hunting conversation on calling elk every season or every episode of the year and everybody else has their own style of what they like. And that's, I just appreciate that. I think that's pretty neat. I think that's the best thing about elk hunting. You know, there's, there's no right or way, right or wrong way to, to use an elk read or an elk call or a bugle tube. And there's so many different tactics and strategies. And I mean, I guess, you know, like I've been hunting elk and calling elk for better part of 40 years, probably. And, you know, you're still amped up every year just to get out there and opening day is coming. It's like, holy crap, I can't wait. I can't believe it's here. It's like the best month of the, of the whole season is of the whole year. Is, you know, to most of us elk hunters in September, obviously. So <laughs> yeah. And that's better than, it's better than Christmas. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. <laughs> my uh, <Yeah. laughs> my birthday is right in November, and and it's been a goal of mine for years to to shoot a deer on my birthday. So I just November's oh, yeah. yeah. I with the deer rut and my birthday right in there. It's like it's a great month. I love November. 
love November. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I don't. Lines up. I don't think I could choose between elk hunting and deer hunting. They mule deer hunting. I just I got to have them both to switch back and forth. I look I look forward to each one because elk will drive me nuts, and then because <laughs> they just frustrate me or I can't find them or I can't can't do what I got to do. Uh, and so I, I feel a little more confidence moving over to the mule deer and it's just, well, you know, it's just one of those things, but I'm taking a look at kind of where you're at roughly just to understand some of the terrain. It looks like you're in a little bit of oil and gas country, uh, which is similar to some country I hunt in Northwest Colorado, but you, you're not far from the big mountains too, the sheep country. Um, and just describe real quick the, the terrain that you're hunting, uh, and, and so that we could maybe compare some of that to the, the type of country we got down here in the lower 48. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. We're, uh, <clears throat> we're primarily oil and gas and logging where, where I'm from. We're basically, uh, like I'm literally an hour and 20 minutes from the British Columbia border. So we're right along the foothills of the Rocky mountains is where we are. And so basically our terrain is the lowest parts are obviously the rivers. And then we have the big, the big foothills on each side of the rivers. And we do have on top of the hills, there's a lot of agricultural farmland. So most of that stuff, you got to have permission. It's all private land, mm-hmm. but all the bush in between and down by the rivers, that's all what we call crown land. I guess you guys call it forestry, forestry land. Sure. Um, you know, everybody can access it. You know, it's it's free for everybody. You know, a lot of it's walk-in. A lot of our oil lease roads, they have gates on a lot of the stuff, so you can't drive in. <clears throat> but you can, uh, if, you, if you're lucky enough to have an e-bike or a quad or something, you can quad around through the trails. Like, our bush has a lot of cut lines and stuff that intersect north and west and uh, north, south, east, and west. So you can always hit lines wherever you want to go kind of thing. So mm-hmm. access is not that hard. Um, and then, yeah, you're basically just bugling from the ridge tops down into the bowls, trying to locate, you know, as many elk as you can. Um, we do a lot of stuff on the, we use the oil, oil lease roads as much as we can and try to get up on those. And, and you can travel along on those and locate elk a lot quicker than just hiking the hills. So you can, our bush is super, super thick here, so you don't have the luxury of going from, I guess, from one bowl to the next bowl very easily because it's 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 pretty far to go to you know through each bowl kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and our elk population is not as not as high in numbers as a lot of the states in the like I don't know how many how many elk are in Colorado where you hunt. You know? um, it's it's in that like. 250,000 roughly. Oh, okay. Plus, okay, yeah. In Colorado, plus or minus 10,000, I think. 20,000, yeah. somewhere in there. It's But where I, I actually live in western South Dakota, where we have a total of like seven, 8,000 elk. So not, not very yeah. many at all, but that's why I go over to Colorado. Colorado is the most populous elk state, um, but they're in that mid to somewhere in those two hundred thousands. Yeah. Okay. So to give you kind of the numbers that we have here, uh, Alberta, we're sitting right around 27,000 elk. And then if you go into BC, I think they're sitting around 36,000. So we don't have like huge, huge numbers, uh, but we don't see like a lot of those herd bulls in Colorado probably have, you know, 20, 30, 40 cows with them at, at certain times. Whereas our bulls here, uh, most of them will have between, well, honestly, like they can have as few as two, two cows up to like six or 10 usually yeah. at the most. So, oh, wow. um, and then in Alberta, we have most of our areas that three point zone, but we do have some of the areas that are six point zone as well. So, that's kind of a struggle for those guys that hunt the six point zones. Cause oh, they're sure. the six points are they're They get really hard. They get hunted so hard that they're, they're all taken out. And if you don't have the right genes in your pool, basically everything starts being a five point and these guys struggle, you know, they'll have, there'll be a hundred guys hunting 
two or three six points in their zone kind of thing. So that's the hard part. Oh, that Me, is I'm interesting. That's yeah. really interesting because yeah. it's it's probably meant to be a management tool of make sure we get some good quality yeah. animals, but it gets hunted too much, so you remove all the six points so they're not breeding, and you end up with yeah. bad genetics. That's interesting. And I just looked up, we do have 280,000 plus animals in in colorado according to colorado parks and wildlife so definitely a lot there's a lot yeah yeah that's a lot that's uh (laughs) that would be awesome (laughs) (laughs) well you get that and we'll we'll joke about um the million hunters that are hunting them (laughs) i don't know i don't know uh, yeah. right, how many elk in Colorado? How many elk hunters in Colorado? <laughs> and we're going to end up with well over 200,000 hunters who purchase elk tags in Colorado, yeah. according to a, yeah. a quick Google and, search. That's right. And that doesn't even account for all the cougars, the grizzly bears, the black bears that are taking calves, and, and then all the wolves that are. <laughs> that are pounding on those herds as well, right? So. Uh, and that's that's a brand new, th- not brand new, but it's that's a whole newer subject in the last couple of years of uh, how Colorado yeah. passed their legislation to introduce them, and even though they're there, and now we there's already oh, yeah. it there's a big pol- political piece to that, and it's a mess. Yeah. It's a it's a total mess. So I I honestly a little more concerned about the moose. Um, than the elk oh yeah because montana's the the elk hunting is still good idaho the elk hunting's still good but i know they've got their struggles and uh it's the moose that it colorado has such a growing population of moose it's a really it's just growing and growing and growing and they keep pumping out more and more moose tags and uh hunashiris moose in the lower 48 is i mean that's 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 a huge goal for people and they'd love to do it and we're really increasing oppor- oh, yeah. opportunity and i'm probably never going to draw one i i would love to absolutely love to um but yeah. and i'm just going to keep putting in and we'll see hopefully i get lucky but i've got buddies saying you're dumb don't waste your time um uh, so yeah, it, it, would, it would be it cool probably- if if that were a more prevalent thing yeah, that's right. I mean, you could probably you could probably put in for that draw for what probably fifteen or twenty years and still not get drawn. Twenty thirty. <laughs> yeah. Twenty or thirty. Yeah, oh, I'd have to look at what yeah. the what the highest points are at for moose, but I bet it's yeah. I bet it's in the twenties. Um, I know our highest point creep in Colorado for deer or something is at like thirty two. Um, yeah, something right in there. Wow. So it's. There's there's some places Holy. that that it's just even you put in as a youngster your chances are low uh, by the time you're of yeah. age. But uh, I, I've said this before. It's like that point creep keeps going up. More and more points it takes, but it has to cap. It could never be a hundred. Yeah. It, it could never yeah, be a hundred. Right. Uh, and, and that's where you see some changes happen with how many tags are they allow non-residents and. Um, like a Nevada just did a big deal or no, New Mexico did a big deal about reducing the number of, uh, sheep tags available, available for non-residents. And, um, and that's probably what they have yeah. to do with that so that their residents can actually maybe, maybe get that opportunity someday. And yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So otherwise they're going to face so much backlash too, right? That would be the other side. Of oh it. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you can only imagine the phone calls they get every day. <laughs> yep, I work in one of those offices here in the state, and it's nonstop. You can't make everybody happy. <laughs> There's a, yeah, <laughs> you you That's can't, exactly. you cannot. And um, our state is definitely it. You can only hunt elk if you're a resident here. Uh, and there's, cause there's only 7,000 elk. And so you gotta be a resident here and it, it takes an average of 17 years to draw a tag, um, a bull tag. So to, to yeah. learn how to hunt elk, you gotta go elsewhere and, and to, to look at opportunities, you know, Colorado, yeah. Wyoming, Montana offer that. So that's where, that's where I head and what I, what I plan to do. So, um, on that yeah. topic, uh, love to hear maybe just um some of your calling techniques and we started talking about that a little bit that that you spend some time in one place and maybe uh maybe give us some scenarios of or or 
maybe your game plan for this year of where you're not exactly where you're headed, but a spot that you're headed to and, and what that spot is like and why you are going to choose to, or make the decisions you're going to make based on what you see. Yeah. So like I alluded to uh, at the beginning there, I'm going to hunt the first three mornings for sure. Just solid sol- solo hunting. And, uh, the reason I'm doing that is, uh, oh, sorry, that's my dog. No, oh, good. Uh, you're okay. You're fine. I'm going to hunt the first three mornings just solo, and I'm going to hunt the bedroom. So when I'm out scouting, you know, in, in prior years when you're out actually hunting, I'm kind of scouting the whole time that I'm out there as well. So I'm looking for those areas that are really rutted up. You know, there's there's trees that are just, tore you know just rubbed everywhere and when i find that spot i'm kind of looking to see how many trees are tore up in that one little spot if it's a thick little bush area like i'm kind of looking for their bedrooms is what i'm looking for so you can find those basically to be a little spot that's you know 40 or 50 yards around kind of thing but every tree will be rubbed and that's where the bull is kind of hanging out you know this time of year especially as they're rubbing the velvet off, getting ready for the, you know, to go start looking for the cows and stuff like that. So I'm going to head into those areas and see if I can pull one of those bulls out. Cause they're usually the bigger bulls that are, that are in their solitary bedroom like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I'm scouting, I'm kind of just literally watching for those little spots and putting them in my memory bank. And then, cause what happens, even if you go in this year and I shoot one of those bulls out of there, another bull is going to take that area over. So there'll be another bull in there next year. So if you can put these little spots in your memory bank or mark them in your Garmin or whatever you guys use to, to mark stuff, um, just keep those, keep those spots private to yourself. And you know, they're going to probably produce year after year. So that's kind of where I'm going to head the first couple mornings for sure. Okay. Got it. So some heavy bedding area, heavy um, rubs, that that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're not going to see any cow. There's not going to be no cow and calf stuff around there. I'm literally hunting just the secluded bull because he's in his bedroom right now doing his thing. And, you know, even some of the bulls are probably moved out already and they've probably got little harems of, of cows already. Some of the bulls, they might have three or four cows already. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm noticing on my trail cameras, cause we use trail cameras here as well. Most of the bulls here are still, still in velvet or just starting to rub. So, I mean, it, it changes overnight. You could have, you know, a hundred bulls that were in velvet yesterday. They could be all hard horn today kind of thing. But yeah. And those, those bulls know, that it, could be, would be grouped up right now or starting to might be some of them younger bulls though too, wouldn't they? And that, that yeah. the, those, those bigger bulls are going to come in later on and when they're ready, cause they don't have to jump the gun. They'll just yeah. kick out whoever. That's right. Yeah. You're hundred percent right. Those, those littler bulls are going to be with the cows and stuff right now. And you're, you're, you're right. It's going to be like the little three or four points and mm. where I'm kind of lucky, you know what? I'm in a three point zone here. So, Anything with three points and up is totally legit to throw in your in your freezer, but uh, you know you kind of have to set your <laughs> what you want. Do you want to fill your freezer? Or do you want to go after a big bull? So for the first couple of days, I I strictly kind of want to chase a bigger bull, and mm-hmm. then after that, if I'm not successful, then you know any little three point bull will we'll work or a four point, something like that. You know, it's obviously going to be a lot tender meat, so your freezer is going to be a lot happier anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but it's for the thrill of it because I'm, I'm strictly an archery hunter and I'm out there just, uh, I'm trying to match wits with those bulls with my calling, you know. And honestly, there's a lot of five and six points that get a free walk because, you know, you call them in and it's, maybe it was not as glamorous of a call in or something like that. And it's like, you want to keep going on or, you know, maybe it is the first day and the five point comes walking in, you know, but you're not ready to quite feel that tag yet. So, but having said that, I'm pretty lucky. Like I get to hunt while well, our season's pretty generous here. It's 
it's a couple of months long. So, oh, I mean, wow. I don't really have to run and take a bull the first bull that we call in. So, um, so I like kind of playing with them and testing my calls on them and, and really, you know, throwing out with different scenarios and, you know, some tending sequences, breeding sequences, stuff like that, and just play with them. And I really like to see the reaction because what happens with most guys are scared. Once they see an elk come, come coming in, once he hangs up at that 40, 50, 60 yard mark and he's just standing there, most guys freeze. They don't know what to do, right? And so what I kind of do is I, cause I put a lot of seminars on and I'll, I'll teach people, you know, like still whatever calls you were using to bring them to that point, keep using those calls. And everybody kind of looks at me and they go, well, we'll keep calling to him. Like he's looking at you. I'm like, well, keep calling to him. You know, he's just an elk and they, they, they work on instincts is how they, how an elk operates. So once you tell these guys, you know, keep calling to him, you know, chuckle to him, bugle to him, break a tree, you know, do stuff like that. That bull's just going to keep coming in closer and closer. He may kind of start skirting around you a little bit, but at least you're going to get him into like 25, 30 yards versus that 60 yards where he hung up on you. Yeah. So, and once you tell him that, you know, because you know how elk are, they can pinpoint you to the, to the, to the meter right exactly where you're standing but even though they're coming in on you and they're close like that if you really look at an elk really close when you're calling to him and he's he's looking right in your direction they're really looking right through you because he's looking for a real elk that's making those sounds so to him you're just a a stump that's in the way and if you really look at their eyes you can see that he's kind of looking right over your shoulder and uh, so it's really cool to interact with those bulls and keep calling to them and see what they do. And so that's kind of my, what gets me going. It's, yeah. I don't shoot an elk every year because I elect not to, um, but I just, the, that's the fun. You know, I want to see what calls work and what calls don't work and, you know, and have fun with them and, you know, see if you can, you can fool a lot of the younger bulls like that as well. But I want to see if you can fool like the bigger bulls and, you know, the big and six and seven points and see what they do. Do they act any differently? Which for the most part, I can tell you they don't. They just, you know, they're a little more cautious in some cases. And then you get some of those bulls that are super, super aggressive and they just come, they come stomping in on a string kind of thing. So mm-hmm. you never know what you're going to get. Pretty awesome. Wow. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, If we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. So you're, you're covering these, these roads, the oil and gas roads, these, these covering ground, locating elk. And as soon as you have located an elk down in, or a bull down in a 
down in a little pocket of some sort. What's your what's your game plan after that? And let's let's go through some actual calls and calling sequence and what's your game plan? Sure. So what I like to do is I like to get down in there and not too often will I call right from the very top of the ridge. Cause you know, it's first thing in the morning, the air is cold, you know, so it's falling. And even here, the ridges, we have to really watch the thermals a lot. Mm-hmm. So they usually change. So what I'll usually do, I'll get on top of the ridge. I'll kind of sit there for 10, 15 minutes, just, surveying the situation, listening for elk to see if they're bugling all on their own, you know, without having to to make a peep at all. And then if I don't hear nothing, I'll usually drop down. Like our our hills kind of have benches and it's basically, you can drop down maybe like 30 or 40 yards and you'll be on a bench that's right below the top kind of thing. And that's kind of how our, the benches just keep doing that every 30, 40, 60 yards there'll be a, a different bench kind of thing with a little flat. And so that's where el- the elk are going to eventually be on one of those benches. So I'll kind of start at the top and I'll basically just, if you're just throwing out, um, if, you know, especially if it's early season or something like that, I don't go in, you know, too aggressive. I'll usually throw out a little chuckle and just kind of search the area that's right out in front of me with like a nice quiet little chuckle. Um, nice thing about a chuckle is a, it's an invitation call. And so you're inviting cows, you're inviting calves, you're inviting bulls over. Um, nice thing about that, if you can call the cows over, there's a pretty good chance there's a bull that's following those cows and vice versa. You know, if like a lot of our areas here, um, we actually have through archery season, you can actually shoot a cow or an atlas elk if you want. Um, not so much once rifle season starts, that turns more to a draw situation, like what you guys have. Yeah. Uh, so you have to draw after that for rifle season. But, you know, through archery season, it's 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 not so strict. So if you want to shoot a cow, you can. And if you want to wait for a three-point bull, you totally can. So, you know, you know, calling in those cows, there's going to be lots of the little three or four points that come following in them as well. So. Yeah. So with that, that chuckle, it's just a lone chuckle, not, yeah. not a, not a locate bugle followed by a chuckle or a, a something like that. Just a lone nope. chuckle. Yeah. So the two situations that I use is either I'll, if I, if I am standing up on the ridge and I do hear a bull, um, bugle all on his own, I'll usually drop down to that second ridge and I'll give, I'll give a cow mew and then I'll usually wait about five minutes and then I'll do another one. And the reason I do that, so here's just the basic cow mew, what I would do. You know, nothing fancy, just Mm -hmm. a basic cow mew. Then literally just sit there and wait for about five minutes, you know, try to try to listen to what that, where he is down there. And, after about five minutes, I'll give another mew exactly the same, and I'll I'll be really listening for him to chuckle or grunt or bugle back. The reason being, I want to see if he's actually moved his location from the first bugle that I heard him do. So you'll know if he's moving to the left, he's probably going somewhere to the left of you to a different bedding area or something like that. Um. But then you also know if he's also just staying in that one spot, he's probably, you know, he's an advertising bull. That's why they're staying in that one spot. He's probably got a cow or two or three or four with him already. So, um, but then if he's coming towards you, it's probably a lone bull that doesn't have cows. And he's probably coming just to check out your cow call. So I'm kind of really paying attention to the surroundings going on around you. You know, is he moving to the side? is he coming towards you or is he staying there? And that's going to dictate kind of your next move after that. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's just pick one of those scenarios and, uh, sure. yeah, go, kind of go through that. Yeah. So if it's a bull, uh, that's just coming, if you notice he bugled and then he's bugling closer to you, he's actually coming into you. 
that's when I would stay with your cow and calf stuff and just really stay nonchalant with it. Don't just start calling like lots and lots to them. Just stay, keep it pretty minimal, you know, just throw out a, a cow mew every, you know, four or five minutes kind of thing. Let that bull come in searching for you. And as he gets closer, he's going to, he's going to be bugling along the way because he's trying to call you over. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can really just go quiet on him and let him come searching for you. So what I would do in that situation, I would literally, after he bugled, I would throw out another cow mew. And then since I'm probably going to be by myself in that scenario, I'll try to bump up 20 or 30 yards if I can. And that's when I'll go silent. I'll just let that bull come in searching. So at this moment, so at this moment, I was just thinking at this moment, we've got, um, he knows there's a cow over there somewhere on roughly his level or just above or something like that. He knows there's a cow, but he also knows there's a bull somewhere um, because of that chuckling earlier on. Um, and so are you, are you strategically, are you limiting the amount of bull vocalizations and, and focusing on, on the, just the cow? Um, or is that, and, and I'm jumping the gun here, is that bull going to come back into the scene? No. So, so I'll have two scenarios that I'll play out when I go in solo like that on a ridge. Okay. Uh, one will be just the, cow calls and the other scenario will be the starting out with the chuckles and like uh keeping the cow stuff totally out of it okay got it so it just just depends how you feel that morning you know um were they out pretty vocal through the night kind of thing were they quiet uh how are you feeling that day are you kind of a little bit tired you just want to throw a cow call out or do you want to get right into it and and get chuckling and bugling and stuff like that, right? So I kind of, I kind of throw it out like that. Uh, Depends how I feel that day. Um, Myself, I like bugling more than cow calling and stuff. I just find it a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I'm one of those guys that if I'm not bugling, I'm not happy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that one scenario was just a couple cow calls. Uh, The next scenario uh, that I prefer myself is the chuckling one. And I'll just do a little chuckle here for you. So you got to remember, I'm just hunting the area that's just kind of right in front of me uh, yeah. to start out. So it's a pretty quiet little chuckle. Sounds something like this. You know, really nonchalant, nothing really to it. Just a, a nice little cadence. And then with that, I'm literally staying in my one little spot and being silent for, you know, four or five minutes. And you're really listening, you know, your ears are straining. You're trying to hear antlers knocking on the side of a tree or you're trying to hear some panting or maybe he bugles or chuckles back to you. But if he doesn't, then in that five minutes, you know, if I've kind of waited five minutes, I'll literally do another one because sometimes these bulls, especially here, they don't just fire back to you right away. They'll be, they, they've been around the block a couple of times. So they kind of want to make sure that you're an elk before they answer back to you. Yeah. So I'll, you know, I'll wait five, six minutes and then I'll give another little chuckle. And, but I'll, that next one, I'll go just a little bit louder. Okay. So that's what I was going to, that's what I was going to ask. Like, you hear so many different variations of chuckles and that's probably comes down to people's ability of everybody's chuckle yeah. just sounds differently. Um, but if you could, yeah, describe kind of, again, that first chuckle versus this chuckle, that would maybe help. Yeah. So the first chuckle is pretty quiet. And I'm not trying to reach out there like two, 300 yards. I'm literally trying to, I'm trying to visualize. I want the chuckle to go like 75, maybe a hundred yards. So mm-hmm. pretty quiet like this. And then your next one would be more like this. So almost double, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. In volume. But, and then literally I'll just sit back down and, uh, 
wait another four or five minutes, see if something's going on. Usually in that time, especially the areas that I'm going in, because these are areas that I scout, you know, all summer long. So I know there's going to be elk in there. Um, so at this point, usually when I've went into some one of these spots, you pretty pretty much get some kind of reply or an answer, or you'll hear a bull raking raking a tree down, you know, a couple hundred yards down or 200 yards down from you. And then you can kind of, you know, make a game plan on what's going on there now. You know, if he's, if he's raking a tree, he's advertising for you. So he's, especially if he was chuckled, he's already advertising to your cows to, Hey, come on down here. Cause I'm probably a bigger bull. So anytime a bull answers to you like that, whether it be a bugle raking a tree, something like that, keep in mind, he's always advertising for the cows for the most part. Okay. Got so it. And that's, that's, that's what he's going to kind of do. He's not going to rake a tree and, and get ready for battle with you. He's trying to show how awesome he is uh, to any other cows. And also if he's got cows with him, he's trying to display to those cows that he is awesome. And he doesn't want those cows leaving him to come up to me to come check that chuckle out. So that's, you kind of have to think in, in terms of, I guess, more into what an elk would be thinking. And I know it's hard to, it sounds silly to think that way, but it's like, well, how do we know what an elk is thinking? But, you know, you just got to. Spending time in the woods with them. <laughs> That's a... Yeah. You just gotta, yeah. Yeah. You just got to spend time with them and kind of put yourself in their shoes as to what's going on this time of year, you know, and it's just like us, you know, if, if your girlfriend's talking to another guy, you're kind of wondering what's up. Right. Uh-huh. So <laughs> the elk are, the elk are no different, you know, if, those those cows are starting to go the direction of that other guy that's chuckling. That bull's gonna be wondering, "Okay, what's up with this?" You know. So <laughs> yeah. So we got bull coming in scenario taken care of. Uh, bull just kind of that last one would be like that bull just kind of hanging out in the same area, right? Yeah. So yeah. You, you just you add. You can always tell a bull that's locate, locating and looking for cows because he'll be moving. And the bugle all of a sudden will be way over to your right side, say 200 yards to your right. And then all of a sudden he bugles out in front of you. And then another four or five minutes later, he bugles and he's way over on the left. So you can tell he's moved over from the right side in front of you and across in front of you to the left. So you know he's searching for cows versus the bull that's just advertising he's pretty much staying in one spot saying, Hey, I'm over here. You guys come over here and check me out. This is where I'm going to be. You know what I mean? Hmm. So that's, that's how I kind of differ the, the two bulls. And that's really the, the two that you're going to run into other than the bulls that have cows and they're going between feeding and bedding areas. You know, there's going to yeah. be a lot more cow talk and, he's going to be, you know, bugling, trailing them up and stuff like that. But that's a whole different scenario. Um, and I think a, the first two. I think a really important one to, to include because that's your, that seems to be my morning hunts and, and my evening hunts of yeah when, when we got that heavy amount of movement between when I found them and where they're going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what, what's your approach in that situation? That's when I like to do, um, most guys don't like it, but more of an ambush type style. Cause those elk are on the move already. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are elk, honestly, the, so here, how I would hunt something like that, you pretty much have to hunt them two or three or four mornings in a row to know, to try to pattern them, you right. know, like yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so hopefully you have enough time to spend on an elk like that to do that, because that one, you're not really gonna, you can't keep up to an elk, especially in our bush here by fault, by trailing behind them. I mean, they move so darn quick in the, on the trails that you try to keep up and you're going to be running, trying to keep up to them. And it's, it's just not physically, it's not physically doable because our bush is so darn thick. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I like to do, 
once I've washed them a couple times, they're usually coming from a field edge or a pipeline where they're feeding because we have lots of pipelines because of the oil field. But then we also have the logging. So <clears throat> a lot of those elk, they hang out, you know, in the cut blocks with the fresh growth and all that stuff. That's where they feed all night. And then they're going to be traveling, you know, usually it's back up the pipelines and through the bush up to the higher, higher ground to where they're going to bed at. So it's just a matter of, they don't always bed in the same spot every time, but they're going to be really close. So if they're feeding in one cup block and say they're traveling to the West, you can pretty much guarantee the next morning they're going to be traveling to the West as well. And they're going to bed somewhere over there. Mm-hmm. So what I'll kind of do is I'll, I'll literally get kind of off to the side. I'm usually a hundred, 150 yards off to the side of them and I'll wait. You, you can kind of hear that bull cause he's going to be bugling, keeping tabs on his ladies as they're, as they're traveling through. And he's just basically doing the roundup bugle, keeping the girls rounded up as they move to their bedding area. Um, and he's just the, the bull following along because the cows are leading the whole pack. So, he really doesn't have to do anything but trail behind. So in that situation, I like to get out in front of those elk, um, usually about two or 300 yards from where I think they're going to go, and hopefully I guess right. And I like to be on the game trails and kind of move up parallel to them. And I try to get as close to where I think the elk are going to go in front of you, like 75 yards um, in that area is a really good number for me to try to get parallel to them to where I think they're going to cross in front of me. And then what I'll usually do, you'll hear those cows and calves, they, they're chirping and, and talking as they go by. I'll usually wait till the whole herd goes past for the most part. And then once that bull kind of gets parallel to your location, that's when I've been silent this whole time. That's when I'll literally give them a couple cow mews and especially like, more whiny one like you're lost something like that so cow cow me something like this get on it a little bit more be a little bit more demanding Mm -hmm. and our elk for he's gonna what that elk's gonna do he's he's not gonna want to leave that one cow behind so he knows his ladies are ahead of him going up the trail going to where they're gonna go he's going to kind of swoop back around and try to grab that cow and bring her back into the herd. So make sure you have an arrow knocked at that time. Cause as soon as you make that sound, you know, you're only 75 yards away. That elk's going to cover that 75 yards. And honestly, he'll be in your lap in probably 10 or 15 seconds. <laughs> it doesn't long. He comes to the bush. He's coming to round up that cow and get him, get her back in line. So right. huh. it's pretty exciting. I mean, you, for when you hear them coming, it's like okay, they're coming, and you're you're antip- anticipating what's going on and what's going to happen. And sometimes they just keep on going past you, and the bull doesn't give you no no mind, no no matter what you do. And other times he he does exactly that, comes over and scoops you up. Hmm. Yeah, and so the talking about uh, your your previous thought of you found these these bedding areas those early season just lone bulls and we don't have the the cows there um is it that same process your same same go-to plan when you know you're just hunting lone bulls or those 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 uh yeah lone bulls or maybe maybe even still like a couple of bachelor bulls yeah so what i do with those ones i'll uh if i i'll have that area marked on my gps so i can get pretty close to it I'll usually try to bust in inside of a hundred yards and I don't try to get too much closer than that. You know, 75 yards is pushing it a hundred yards. That's pretty much perfect. And then all I'll do there is I won't do any cow sounds whatsoever. I'm just going to portray that I'm a bull that moved into his area mm-hmm. and I'm going to start off with some really light tree raking and then I'll throw in just a really quiet little chuckle. Just portray that I'm a I'm, I'm a bull that's advertising in and being that I'm in his area, it's going to infuriate him right away. And he's going to kind of come over and want to push you out or check you out and see who you are. And a lot of those bulls, believe it or not, they don't, they don't bugle and and scream at you. Mm 
they just come silently walking over, but they'll literally come walking straight over to see who's in their area. I have, and because all you've done is just the bull sounds. I've got a, uh, yeah, I've got a beautiful six point bull burned into the, into my brain that busted me as I was raking. I, I saw him kind of make it walking across just a lone bull pretty early in the season. Uh, just walking along a ridge line, covering ground a little bit, and I turned him with that yep. raking. And I didn't, it was an open country, and I don't know how, uh, I just lost track of him. He was, I don't know where he went, but he used the topography to sneak over and sticks in my hand, <laughs> hitting the tree, and then I look over and he's <laughs> literally 10 yards away, like yeah. just there. And I, I crossed my mind seconds before that, like, okay, that's enough. Stop, pick up your bow and get ready seconds before that. And I can still visualize him. He was a narrow bull. His fourth, fifth, sixth were just like that perfect taper all the way down. Just a beautiful look to him. And it just killed, it haunts me. (laughs) Just absolutely haunts me. That's exactly what happened. Cause, uh, so as soon as I set up in this little area, I'll kick the ground dirt. So it's clear, fresh, fresh dirt. So I can actually move a little bit. Mm-hmm. I try not to kneel. Cause our, our, our foliage is like waist high here. Anyways, like we got oh, rose sure. bushes and, and, uh, devil's club and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll usually, but I'll kick the ground totally clear. So it's bare dirt before I start raking and doing anything. And, after I'm done kicking the ground, I, I literally have an arrow knocked at that exact time. And then I scan the whole woods because just the act of you clearing your standing station there is enough to draw those bulls over. So sure. what I'll, I'll clear the ground and then I'll really look around, scan. And then that's when I'll slowly go raking, you know, start really quiet and slow. Just rake for maybe 10, 15 seconds and then stop and grab your bow. And now you're scanning the whole wood line, kind of especially where you know they're going to be coming from. Yeah. And checking my wind, I got my thermals wind checker. I'm checking the wind constantly. And, you know, you want to make sure your wind is good to hunt that spot. And then after I've scanned that area, I'll probably do another little um, session of just a little bit louder tree raking. And then I stop, your hand's on your bow, and I'm literally scanning the whole area again. And if nothing's come out by then, that's when I'll kind of do a little chuckle. But I won't do the chuckle right towards the, to his, uh, his bedroom. I'll kind of like face away from it in the direction I want him to go, be traveling, you know. So if he's coming, if I know he's going to be coming from my left, I'll kind of do my chuckle over to the right just a little bit. And just trying to portray that I'm a bull that's just a little bit further away, you know. If I can fool him into thinking I'm, I'm 30 yards further away than what I actually am. Mm-hmm. I know he's going to come walking right past me really, really nonchalant and not really thinking about anything. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'll kind of throw my chuckle that direction, even though he can still pinpoint my tree raking, he knows exactly where I was anyways, but you got to remember I've raked the trees twice before that. Maybe I've moved off just about 20 or 30 yards. Then I did the chuckle. So that's kind of what I'm pretending to, to have done. And I can't tell you, especially these first couple mornings, it's, it's honestly my favorite time to go out because for one, it's your best chance of calling in one of your biggest bulls of the season. And for two, those bulls have never been called to for the last year. Right. So they're, they're honestly, I don't want to, they're not going to be dumb, but they're going to be naive they're going to be the most naive that they'll be all season. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. they, they haven't been, they haven't been fooled yet. And especially to tactics like that, like nobody, most people just go in, they bugle, they wait 10, 15 seconds. Oh no, nothing here. Didn't hear nothing. And they walk a hundred yards and they bugle again and they do it over and over, you know, um, this is really patient hunting. A lot of guys don't have, have the patience to do my kind of style of hunting. That's why it's kind of nice for me. It's, it's what I like to do and I really know it works. So, <laughs> yeah, 
No, that, I can tell you, I don't. Kinda, I really don't have the patience. Yeah. I I can't get myself to slow down. I really can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and with that chuckling, that's uh, explain the or translate that language for me a little bit. Is it you're you're not necessarily being aggressive, or does it have aggression in it? Is it always aggressive, or nope. can it be just a communication thing? You can. You can get, if you go aggressive on your chuckle, that turns more into a grunt. So, and you'll hear that locks, bulls will, bulls will bugle, you know, fairly aggressive and they'll, they'll grunt three or four times at you. The re, how you tell us a chuckle is they're a lot less uh, aggressive and a chuckle is like five, six, seven, eight, you know, they can chuckle 10 times if they want. Um, so it's more, they're quicker and they're non-aggressive and there's more of them versus the grunt, which is aggressive. You're, uh, 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 you're getting really aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when you know they're, they're, they've, they've changed their tune to a different level. You know what I mean? So when I go into that, the bedroom, I'm using a really non-aggressive. Cause I'm just trying to portray that I'm just happened to be a bull that moved through this area, raking a tree, you know, trying to call some cows and do a little chuckling, trying to call more cows. Cause you're looking for cows. You're trying to attract the females. And I'm just trying to do that in this bull's face and pretend that I don't even know he's there, you know, and you know, it's just going to infuriate him and he's going to, he's going to have to come over and have a look and see who's this character that's in my zone, you know, calling to my girls. Like those are, he's going to think those are his girls that are close to his bedroom. Like, how dare you come close to me? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. so are you ever that, adding in a, a full blown bugle? Um, not really until later. I will throw in like a, after I do the two rakes and I do a couple of sequences of the chuckles and nothing, if nothing showed up, then that's when I'll, I'll do to come out of there because either he's going to come out Did you, during the raking and the chuckling or he's not there at all. Maybe he's moved off already and he's got girls already. So, so what I'll do is I'll, my last thing will be the little low note bugle and it's just, it's pretty quiet. Everything I do in this whole situation, my raking is quiet. My chuckles are really quiet. And then my low note bugle is really quiet. So this would be the low note bugle that I do. And it's probably in volume wise to going hundred percent volume. I'm probably like 30% of what okay. you can put out, how I would describe it. So yeah. it's kind of, Okay, so not too literally ag- all I would do. Yeah, not not too aggressive at all. Not too aggressive. Just literally, I'm literally going into the first little high note, then I drop it off into that low note. Just and and don't go at the very bottom, like at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Just just a like just so he knows that you're actually a real bull, and it's like okay. He's got a little bit of depth to him. That's what I'm trying to throw into the bugle, a little bit of depth. And then uh, grab your bow and just hopefully he comes marching along looking for you. Sure. And if he does, you know, just let him let him pass by that tree where you can go to full draw. And when he gets past it, you know, give him a couple of cow mews to stop him and uh, have your pin on him and let her fly because it's going to be close. Cause you're going to, you're going to be in that little area. He's going to, most of the bulls that I've called in like that are within 30 yards. You know, they're 15. Most of them are like 25 yards when they go, go across in front of you. Um, cause they want to see visually who you are, who dares come into their lair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's I, pretty exciting. I do <laughs> enjoy doing a lot of cutting off too. And yeah. I, and I realize I think I get myself in more trouble than than call more in because I really like to irritate him. That gets really yeah. fun, <laughs> but I, I think there's times that you can screw that up and they like back down or they say no, this ain't worth it, and I'm leaving. Um, yeah, yeah. Other times well, they're coming in so hot and they're just ready to go. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
And the whole time I'm listening to these bulls when they're calling, I'm trying to listen to what level, what level of aggression they're actually at. You know, if they're pretty nonchalant, I pretty much stay pretty nonchalant. And if they won't come in, that's when you try to try to raise them up slowly into that next level. Cause once you can work them up into that next level, you know, they start seeing fire in their eyes, pretty good chance. They're going to come in, you know, um, in, unless he's got cows and for some reason, if the cows don't like what you're saying, they're going to, they're going to start taking off and going out the backside. And unfortunately that's when those bulls go follow them. They go with them. Right. So right. that's their ladies. They're even he's leaving. So, um, people call those ones, the, the, you know, the runners They're you know, he'll bugle from a hundred yards to you. And then the next time you hear him, he's 200 yards away. So you run up a hundred yards, close that distance. Okay, cool. I'm within a hundred yards. I'll bugle at him again. Well, he bugles back and he's 300 yards away. You're like, crap, I just yeah. moved up a hundred. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. And it happens every year. But <laughs> yep. So absolutely. That's just the dang cows taking them. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, I really like this calculated approach. Um, it's calculated, but yet you're fluid, uh, with what, yeah. what the mood yeah. is. And I, I think that gives some purpose and some, uh, structure to calling instead of being yeah. just willy nilly. And I heard this, this one time I heard this, this one time. So I tried it. Then I, I just threw out all my bag of tricks all at once. And yeah, and that's a, with a lot of, a lot of folks, you get, you might only get an opportunity. You you only got one bull that you ever played with the whole season, or, yeah. or that's it, because you're here for a week and you finally found some elk and you 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 played with the one elk and then it just didn't work. Um, yeah. So you, so well, you're that's exactly. you're using your whole toolbox and it just it's not a screwdriver. There's this it's not a screwdriver you were looking for. So the, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. I, I like that approach and I, and I don't even want to add any more because whenever I listen to a podcast that, that, uh, adds too many structure or too many styles that it, it's yeah. too overwhelming. So I really like, I really like yeah. this style and we'll, I think it'd be a good spot to just call it. Um, but that's a, 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 a patience game that, that you're playing and I can tell that. So it's, it's a. Something we yeah. many of us young folk need to need to learn is the patience game. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like the old timer at a, when you're going on a fishing trip. He disappears and sits in one spot for a little while, and he's always the one that put, pulls in a big walleye or something. <laughs> well, yeah. while the youngster is running around all over the place trying different lures and this and that, and, and doesn't catch a whole lot. Uh, the well, old, old timers always know best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, that's how I came to my tactics because um, there's so many hunters that are all around us. Um, literally, I can literally sit sit down in, in one of my spots and be calling to a bull and I'll hear someone coming with a bugle or a cow call and that elk will literally shut up. And it's not for about, uh, you know, I, I go quiet and I'll let that other hunter go past me if he's on a, on a line or on you know, on the road calling from a road or somewhere, I usually let those hunters go by and those elk won't start responding for at least a good half an hour after that guy's gone already. Yeah. And so, in, so in that scenario, I don't actually say, I don't say anything. I don't try to get him to talk before he really wants to. I'll literally just keep quiet. And when he's ready to tell you that he's ready, he'll, he'll fire off on his own. And then I know, okay, the game is back on let's start talking with them again. Yeah. So, I've, se I've seen that same thing with four wheelers going by working an elk and he's talking and the four wheeler goes by and he shuts up and that's like, okay, we got to wait a little yep. while. And then, yeah, you're up. E yep. Even if they strolled up, let out a bugle or something, heard nothing. And then they moved on. So yeah, then it, he just waited in the woods. Things started happening again and you're back in the, on your hunt. Kind of, it's ruined it a couple of times, but sometimes it works yeah, out. That's right. It's almost like he doesn't want to play with those other dudes. He's he wants to play with you because he was doing his thing with you already, and he liked it. He was having fun. Because I always think, okay, these these elk think it's a game of cat and mouse, and I I truly 
I truly think it's a game to them because they can fool us whenever they want. I know they can. And I just think they have fun playing with us. Just like if you're playing with your dog with a ball or something, I think these elk like playing with other elk, like they're, they're fooling around. Right. So that's kind of another good thing to think about is, you know, they, once they start communicating with you, it's the game is on with you. And if someone else comes in, they're just going to disturb it for a little while. And then, you can come back and get your game going again. So <laughs> yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't even have a elk tag this year, but I'm not far from elk country. I'm a nice little half hour drive and I can get into some elk. So I think I'm just going to be going and oh, learning, yeah. just going to learn. And, uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah I, go I'm, out there and just take your camera and take pictures of anything and, and call to them and, and have fun and play with them and, Honestly, you'll learn so much that will go into your next hunt next year or the year after. You'll be like, man, it's it. The more you can call in, and honestly, I have more fun with the smaller two or three or four points calling those guys in because they're not scared to play with you and they'll hang out because they're pretty naive. They'll hang out and play with you for a half an hour, 45 minutes in some situations. Mm-hmm. And honestly, throw everything you can at them. Like, if you have the ability to chuckle and throw an advertising bugle or uh, if you can lip ball, do a lip ball to them and see what the reaction is and, and just soak it all up. That's what I try to I try to tell everybody. Just when anytime you can play with an elk, just play with them for as long as you possibly can and soak it all up and really put it in your memory bank of what he did, what he liked, what he didn't like. And what did he do? Did he walk right past you or did he come around? Did he go away from you? Um, you start playing with these elk, they'll work their way right around you. So they're downwind of you. And I've had elk literally come right up to me on the, on a six foot willow on the other side of me. I've had them eating the leaves and stuff right off the other side of the willow. And they're directly downwind of me. I know full well that they can smell me and you know, like we're stinky critters and yeah. they're not even scared. It's like, they don't even care. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So it's well, pretty neat. That's a that's a good approach, and I and I like it. So we'll uh, um, share this before most of the people in the lower forty eight are going to start their elk season. Uh, but yeah. there's there's I know there's a couple early early seasons across the west here that people can get into, including you up there to to yeah. be able to get into them as soon as a couple of days from well, now. So. Well, that'll be the fun part because they get to hunt Alberta for the first couple of weeks of September. And then actually I'm going to hunt with the elk bros. Um, the second part, well, I'll be in, I'll be in actually in New Mexico from the 16th of September till about the 26th. Oh man. I'll be hunting with you out there in New Mexico. So I'm anxious to get out there and test my skills against those bulls that they got. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested to hear what the, what the difference is and, yeah, absolutely. Totally different. Make sure, you, make sure you give me a shout after September, and we'll we'll rehash this uh, little chat we had. And see, oh, absolutely, see what absolutely. So, real quick again, <laughs> plug uh, plug your calls and and uh, uh, where people can find find you in that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, it's Wapiti River Outdoors. Uh, we're up in Grand Prairie, Alberta, and basically Wapiti River Outdoors dot uh, com will get you to our website. And you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook and all that as well. Pretty easy to find. Yep. Uh, Wapiti's W-A-P-I-T-I. And it's a little bit tricky for some people to spell. So, yeah, yep. just wapitiriveroutdoors.com. And uh, you can find us there and get a hold of me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And, and uh, uh, good luck in just a couple of days. You bet. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. You bet. Got a deed to the land, but it ain't my ground. This is God's country.